0: Um, today, we're going to talk about uh, starting a new series. called the Conver- It's called Conversations. It's a series on prayer. And in early April, I did a message in our last series called The Christian Disconnect on Prayer, how we so often believe in God. But not really in prayer. I mean, not really. I mean, we pray, we kind of believe in it, but a lot of times our prayer life feels pretty disconnected. It feels pretty distant and less than compelling. And I got a lot of uh, interesting, good, positive feedback from that message. And, and we, in that message, we define prayer as cultivating a continual awareness of our interaction with God throughout the day. And, therefore, we talked about, you know, we struggle with prayer a lot of times because we think, oh, man, i got to get down on my knees and pray for a couple hours. But, no, no, a lot of times we could just think about prayer more so as lots of little shots of prayer to God all throughout the day. And that little concept we talked about of, of lots of little shots of prayer, I got the most feedback on. And I had a number of people come back to me and say, that just transformed my prayer life. I had one gal come to me in tears just saying how much that had made a difference. And that is so cool when we start to experience God being more interactive in our daily life. It's just a wonderful thing. Well, there's a guy named Chris Hodge who talks about that same kind of concept of lots of little shots of prayer with God, but he talks about it using a different phrase, and we're going to use that as kind of our theme today, and I'm going to just say it this way. Quest, I want us to be known as a praying people who, and this is his phrase, who pray first. So before our kids start a soccer game, we pray first. Come on. Before anyone, before we answer a phone call, we pray, right? Before the next work appointment, we pray to invite God in. Before we discipline our kids, we pray, right? And it doesn't have to be a long thing. It can just be a momentary in our mind, turning towards God, saying, God, what are you doing in this moment? Help me to be more like you. And then we move on and do what we're going to do. But before you make any major decision, you pray, And before you post that Facebook post or hit send on that email, why are you laughing? Many of you need this, don't you? Pray first, right? It's so exciting when we learn to communicate with God well, and discover Him doing stuff all throughout our day, isn't it? And and we can do a lot on our own, and we do a lot on our own a lot of times. We carry so much stress and so much weight throughout our days all so often. But Jesus says He wants our burden in life to be light, for it not to be heavy, for us to learn to be yoked with Him. He uses an image of being yoked with Him in His power so our day and everything we face feels light, not heavy. As your pastor, I've had a strong sense from God that he wants us as a church to grow more in this area. It's not that we haven't been growing. We have been. But I think he wants us to grow a lot more in this so that we have this much more vibrant relationship with God being recognizably in our midst and interacting with us on a daily basis. And I know the more we pray, the more miracles we'll see. I love the way, I love the way Dan Hayes puts it. He's an author and a speaker, and he says, All I know is that when I pray, coincidences happen. And when I don't pray, they don't happen. Now, many of you here have been on a journey of learning how to pray, how to sense God being alive in the moment of your day. We heard Venita three weeks ago share her story of how prayer and more attention to God being with her during the day has made a tremendous difference in her relationships at work and, and people coming to faith. And she's so excited about what she's doing. And I know the more I pray, the more miracles I see. And, when, and I'd love to see more healings. In particular, but, but I know this. When I, do, when I do pray, I see more healings than when I don't pray. Isn't that true? Prayer is the very essence of what it means to have a relationship with God instead of following our faith in a religious idea of just having a bunch of rules. It's the very essence of relationship. You can't have a good relationship without good communication, can you? Right? So if you're here today and you're a seeker, you're not convinced of Jesus yet, you're still trying to process that decision, you think he might be who he says he is, that he's God and maybe you should follow him, but you're not convinced, then prayer needs to be a critical part of you seeking and finding who God is. And we all know... Throughout history, the great people of faith have always talked a lot about prayer, right? There's a guy named Hudson Taylor. He, uh, more than probably any single name, you could credit him as the founder of the China Inland Mission in the 1800s as the one who has had more impact on China going from zero Christians to over 105 million in 150 years. He's that influential. And he says this about prayer. He says, It's possible to move men through God, by prayer alone. And Ian Bounds is one of the the most respected writers and teachers of prayer of our day, and he says, God shapes the world by prayer. And when we hear those statements, we go, yes! We we agree, we say, hurrah, because it makes sense to all of us, right? It makes sense to all of us that prayer has to be a vital part of any person's deeply spiritual life. You can't be deeply spiritual without it, right? And many of us can point to circumstances in our lives where prayer was a big focus point, where a big decision or where a transition happened or moments where God showed up and and stepped in and healed us. And we'll attribute those times or provided for us, we'll attribute those times to prayer, whether it's our prayer or our mother's prayer or father's prayer or a friend's prayer or a pastor's prayer. We'll point to God being active through prayer in our lives. In all the major turning points of my life, prayer has been the pivotal aspect of it. And because of what God has spoken over his plan for who we are as a people at Quest, who he wants us to be in our individual lives, our family lives, and who he wants to be through us as a mission of his grace and love to our community, we have to be uh, people who grow in this more so that we have clear communication lines with God and we learn to be empowered by God more than just our own ability and our own wisdom. So I want to invite you to a summer of prayer to a summer of growing in prayer, where all of us decide this summer we're going to tackle this one issue and we're going to learn a whole lot more and let God lead us more in this prayer. And let's see what God does. If we learn, let's see, if I suspect if we learn to pray first and learn to make prayer a part of everything we do, how to communicate with God and how how to understand how His power wants to come to bear in our life, that we will in our own personal lives and in our business lives and in our efforts to pray for the five that we're asking God to touch their lives who are unchurched or not following Jesus right now and we're praying for them, that we'll be amazed at what God does in our lives and through our lives if we just get this piece down a little better and grow stronger in it. So this whole summer series or this whole next series that we're doing on, on conversations and the whole summer challenge can be summed up in this question. What would it look like if prayer became the prominent aspect of all that we do, everything that we do? I think what it would look like would be pretty exciting, beyond what we can imagine, beyond what we can think. You see, prayer that is powerful is prayer that becomes our first response, not our last response. We oftentimes leave prayer to when we're desperate, right? God wants us to learn to pray first, to bring his power to bear in our lives every single day of the week, even before things get difficult. And yet isn't it true we all struggle with prayer? We all do in some level. I mean, some of you struggle in prayer because you lack confidence in prayer. And and you see that because you certainly aren't comfortable praying out loud with other people very much, are you? And why is that? I mean there can be lots of reasons but but some of the reasons might be maybe because you don't feel like you know what to say because you grew up in a tradition where you heard priests and pastors pray these really flowery prayers and you went I could never be that eloquent I could never know what the right words would be to say I just I just don't know what to say right and or maybe or maybe prayer just wasn't very compelling to you uh, or attractive to you growing up because you grew up in settings maybe where the only prayers you experienced at church or around the dinner table were rote prayers that you just memorized and you just said them, right? Or maybe you had these memorized, morbid bedtime prayers that went something like, should I die before I wake, right? I pray the Lord my soul to take, before the demons come and grab me and I go to hell, and now I'm all ready to go sleep, right? So you maybe had those, and it was just less than compelling and less than interesting. Today, I want to simply teach you how to pray by looking at how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And we, we refer to it as the Lord's Prayer. But what we've done to the Lord's Prayer in most of our church traditions is, 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 this, is really kind of funny or sad, depending on the perspective you look at it and your sense of humor. Because we've turned the Lord's Prayer into just another rote prayer that we say, right? I mean, how many of you grew up in a church setting where you prayed the Lord's Prayer as part of your service, right? Okay, let me ask you this question. Isn't it true that you got to the point where you could pray the Lord's Prayer and not miss a single syllable all the time? You're thinking, I hope the preacher's is done in, in time so I can go home and see the Browns get beat again and never miss a syllable, but you're thinking about that the whole time, right? See, the Lord's Prayer wasn't intended to be a prayer we say. I mean, it's fine if we do that. It certainly has meaning if we pray it that way, certainly, but it's not what it was intended to be. The disciples were asking Jesus to teach them to pray. But the disciples were not asking Jesus to teach them another memorized prayer. They had grown up their whole life memorizing lots of prayers to pray. That's all they knew in life. When they were asking Jesus, they weren't asking Jesus how to pray. They were asking Jesus how to pray like that, like they saw Jesus praying. Like Jesus really connecting with God. They had seen lots of flowery memorized prayers and prayed them themselves from memory. But Jesus was praying in a way that was much more relational, much more real, much more powerful, much more honest, much more intimate. It was conversational prayer. It was like having a conversation with God just the same as if you were going to have a conversation with your best friend. And Jesus' answer to their question of how to pray is to give them an outline to give them the ideas of what to pray. i, I got to tell you, even in preparing this message, this was really helpful for me to go back through this outline because I think all of us, I know for me in this preparing this message, I'd gotten to the point where I needed to be refocused and needed to have this outline to point out some areas that I had lost focus on and, 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 it, and it increased the, the vibrancy of my prayer life. So to start out with, let's first listen to the Lord's Prayer and then we're going to look at it. So turn your attention to the screens. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, my will be done. Wait. On earth, as I strive for heaven, give us this day our daily feast. And forgive us our debts as we collect from our debtors. Let us succumb to our temptation. Then forgive us for our evil again and again. And again, for thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory, and the life everlasting. Amen. That's not quite what it's like, is it, right? But it's actually a little bit too close to home sometimes in the way we approach prayer with God. It ends up being a lot about ourselves. We see Jesus teaching the disciples this prayer, and it's 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 actually recorded in two places in Mark six and Luke eleven. And I want to encourage you if you want to really look more at prayer, then spend some time this week looking at the context of this because Jesus spends a lot more time in those contexts actually talking about prayer from different ways. Today we're going to look at it through Mark Matthew six, uh, and it go, and, he, and it, it goes this way. He says Jesus says, "Pray then in this way," meaning meaning pray after this manner. He's not saying pray this, pray in this way. And he says, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then the church historically has added this closing phrase. It's not in the scripture. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now each phrase separated by a comma is a piece of the outline that Jesus is trying to teach us how to pray for. And and this is an outline that you can pray through several times a week easily, and it doesn't have to take long. It can take five to 15 minutes. This is not not long praying that you have to do. You can use this outline and be through it in five minutes and and just pray through it. And, if, and again, if you're a seeker here, you're not convinced yet of Jesus, I really want to encourage you. Prayer is the language of relationship with God. Learning to pray is the way you're partially going to find out who God is and whether he's real. And if, and if you think it's Jesus, then you might as well pray the way he taught us to pray, right? And learn that even before you've decided to follow him. So notice Jesus starts relationally, not formally. He says, our father, dada, daddy, papa, whatever you call your dad you know one of the greatest feelings in life for me being a dad is when my kids used to come and do the flying leaps into my lap for a big hug it got a little bit difficult when they got too big and bony and they led with their knees that became a little bit of a problem eventually but but the truth be told even even today If we sit down with a movie, I love being able to sit down with them and put my arm around them while we watch a movie or just have them sitting near to me. And life so easily in the fast pace today just becomes about checking schedules and about getting tasks done. I mean, I've got six different calendars that sync to my iPhone to keep track of life. I've got one for every member of my family and I've got one for work. And it's just sometimes life just becomes crossing off a checklist of needing to get things done. But isn't it, I just find it so beautiful and so nice, those moments when my kids are walking through the kitchen and I think we're busy on the way to something and all of a sudden they just stop and they don't want a checklist thing. They just want to talk. They just want to hug. They want to, they want to say, I love you. See, that's how prayer is for us with God. It's not sending an email or a text list of what we need him to do. It's not trying to come up with this King james flowery language type of a prayer that we need to come up with. It's, it's talking to the Father who loves us, who looks at us with a twinkle in his eye, who wants us to jump in his lap and wants to give us a hug. Always wants us to come to Him. It's that kind of a thing. It's so important to allow our prayer times to start by reorienting our heart and our mind to that reality. Because isn't it true we can so easily fall into the temptation of feeling like God is distant and God is too big and God is too hard to please and too far away instead of this welcoming, accepting, eager Father to spend time with us? But prayer doesn't start with what we need or lists. It starts with remembering our relationship with God, and he's our Father. Jesus goes on in teaching, and he says, the next, t- the next part of the outline is, hallowed be your name. Now, hallowed is this funny word that reminds us of Halloween, right? But it's, uh, we don't use it very often, but the actual meaning of it is this, to render or acknowledge to be venerable. In plain English, what that means is we acknowledge with our thoughts and our actions and our heart and our words how great and how powerful, how good, how amazing, how wonderful God is to us, right? And we worship the name of God. Now, actually, God has many names. I mean, the Bible uses many names to describe who God is. So if we're going to worship His name, we worship Him because of, the Bible calls Him righteous, or we worship Him because He's a healer, or we worship Him because the Bible says He's our banner of victory. When we need victory, He's our banner of victory. When we need a shepherd, He's the one who leads us beside still waters and and helps us lie down in green pastures, who restores our soul, who cares for our every need. The Bible talks about God being our provider. The Bible even talks about the name of God for Him just being there. He's there. He's always there with us and always there with you. God is all these things and more. There's many more ways the Bible uses names to talk about God. but. It was in this part of preparing this message that God really reoriented me and helped me because I was spending time in my prayer life remembering that He was Father and, and wanting to be with me and me wanting to be with Him. And then I was jumping ahead to your will be done and what do you want to do and how does your Holy Spirit want to impact our community and what are the needs we have. But sometimes those needs that we have that we want to jump to in prayer that really motivate us for prayer are really less important for us than remembering who He is to us. Because we can walk through life with all this weight of these burdens, and until we remember who He is with us, we end up praying from this needy place, right? Instead of praying from this place of this God who is our Father, who is amazing, who is faithful, who is all-powerful. And venerating someone isn't an abstract concept, it's not like the prayers we used to pray at our meals. You are great, you are good, and so I thank you for my food. Amen. Right? It's ascribing to God the impact of His great patience, His mercy, His love, His faithfulness in my life, in your life. See, we know this, right? We know that when someone wants to honor you, when someone has honored you in the past, and they say something very specific of that you did that really impacted their life, it makes a whole lot more meaningful, right? That comment. And God's the same way, right? He wants us to remember and honor Him for how He's been there in our past, how He's come close to us in our past, for us to recount to Him those memories of when He was faithful to provide for us, when we didn't think we had enough money to pay for our bills and we thought we were going to go under, or how He's been powerful to save us and intervene in our lives when we needed healing or when we needed forgiveness or when we needed wisdom for a, for a huge decision, how He's been there in those moments. And when we skip past this step and jump to the next two to try to discern God's will and ask for our needs to be met, we often find ourselves going into those steps praying overwhelmed, don't we? Praying from that needy, helpless, depressed place not remembering who God is to us, and, and we have less of a sense of God being with us when we're praying like that. See, the Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. The reason he wants us to hallow his name is because that's part of making the, bringing that reality of his closeness to us into more full awareness. Of us, and, and, and that fullness of awareness of who he is to us changes the tone of how we pray in the next steps of this outline. It changes it from being boring or, or needy and feeling like we're begging for God to do something to this anticipation of God's goodness and this excitement and this sense of his power and his presence wanting to be there for us in that moment. Jesus goes on in the outline to the next, phase, the next step and he says, Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's a key word in here that's used twice. It's the word your. Your kingdom. Your will. Not mine, God, but your will and your leadership be in the right place. You see, isn't it true when we love someone, that we love to focus on their agenda and not ours? Right? I mean, uh, we focus on the people we love. We, we focus on what brings them pleasure. And, and, and we focus on what they want to accomplish. And we try to join them in that, to encourage them and be there with that. Prayer is this consistent attention to God and being with Him in what He's doing. Matthew 6, Jesus says it this way. He says, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And then everything else that you need, it will, it will be set right and given to you as well. But seek this first. Seek His agenda. Seek His good and relationship with Him from that standpoint. And God will always give you everything you need day by day if His kingdom is your primary concern. So, this part of prayer looks like probably a lot of listening, right? What's going on, God? Where are you at? What are you wanting to do in my life? Asking God questions or asking God to break into your life with the power of the Holy Spirit, which is the power of His kingdom among us. He's he's already here asking for His Holy Spirit to become more active or asking God to establish His order and His direction, His rule in your life and in other people's lives. And that may look like just asking questions about what's going on in your life and saying, where are you in this? What's going on, God? Where do you want to go with this? And listening, or it may look like you reflecting on your journal uh, and looking at places where you felt like God spoke to you in the past, or a dream that you felt like maybe from God, and just asking God, What's this mean? Where are we going with this? Or, or it may look like a time of surrender where your prayer is more like, God, I'm headed down this path in this decision about my family or my work today, and I, th- I think it's right, but would you give me some confirmation along the way? Or, or, God, if I'm headed the wrong direction and this isn't what your will is, then would you put a door closed in between me and that decision so that it doesn't happen so that I can, I can follow you? It's like it's putting the wise one, the king, in his rightful place and aligning our heart with him in following him. And then Jesus goes on from there. And he talks about our daily needs. He says, give us this day our daily bread. Now, many of you may feel like you have plenty of food. You have plenty of money. In fact, you probably are walking through the day going, I have, I'm confident that I have plenty of skill and, and resources that I need to make every decision I need to make today at work. And I, I, I can just do this. I've got it all under control. So why ask God to give me my daily bread when I have all that I need? Right? Well, I mean, part of it is just this, remembering who your source is. Remembering that all of this comes from God. So if you walk into the day feeling, I don't have any needs, I've got everything, then maybe this part of your prayer life is going to look more like Thanksgiving. Like, God, thank you for giving me all that I need. Thank you for the wisdom that I've been able to give from these mentors so I know what to do in these decisions in my work today. Thank you, God, for being there. But it may also be asking God to be with you in those surprise moments, those moments when we're praying for our five or... Praying for our colleagues and God shows up with a conversation that happens that we couldn't see coming in the middle of the day. And just praying in advance saying, God, would you prepare me for those surprise conversations where you want me to care for, pray for, or minister to someone today. And, and, you know, pray first. Pray first. Even after when you expect that you have everything and, and then depend on God. For him providing everything. That's part of what this is about. Jesus, in his fifth part of this outline, turns toward our hearts and our relationships. And he says, Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. He says, Forgive us as we have forgiven others. This is about getting our hearts right in our relationships with God and with other people, extending the same forgiveness God gives to us to others. And that's hard, isn't it? It's really hard. If you've been through a divorce or a really painful relationship or you've been fired undeservedly or someone is just mean to you on a regular basis and treats you poorly and hurtfully, then keeping our heart toward the relationship clean is a daily difficult task, isn't it? We all get this. I mean, we can forgive the person and the next day we have to... Sometimes with our spouse, get up out of the bed and we're right there with them again and we don't have any separation or we go to work and we have to work with this person again or or, or we may be hurt by them again the next day or, or even if we're not around them, we may be simply reminded of that and all of a sudden our hearts and our minds become bitter. bitter. And we start to wage this argument in our minds. Come on, we all do that, right? We have these arguments about how we were going to tell people off, how we could have won the last argument we had better. We have all this anger and this cycle of stuff going on in our minds. And, and even while we're doing that, even if we're not around that person, we become a little more testy and a little more or less patient and that bleeds out in other people. And we continue this cycle of hurt and bitterness, right, in our relationships all the time. Or we hold it in and then we start to feel hopeless. Or we begin to fall prey to the feeling that I'm unlovable because I'm getting hurt all the time. I'm truly unlovable. Jesus, in his famous sermon called the Beatitudes, says this. He says, The pure in heart shall see God. Those who relentlessly pursue purity of love and purity from bitterness... We'll see God. We'll see life more clearly. We will experience God more vividly and understand Him better. Our relationship with Him will be more sweet and more alive. And we will live with freer hearts to engage life without the heaviness of life. Because forgiveness for us in this whole thing involves this sensitivity to our own sin, And being quick to ask God forgiveness for that and turn away from our sin, it involves being sensitive to know when we have hurt someone and being pure enough and strong enough of heart that we can go to them and say, I'm wrong. This is my part without defense or without excuse. It also involves a sensitivity to our own arguments that go on in our mind that give, or the pits in our stomach that give an indication that we've got this bitterness. And instead of holding on to that bitterness, we choose to forgive the other person, even if we have to say it over and over again. We choose to forgive even if they don't ask for that forgiveness. And even in this phase, if you can't think of something to forgive with someone every day, you can say, Lord, don't let my heart become desensitized to sin. Help me to be sensitive so I don't carry around this weight. You see, and this, none of these phases are just us talking a lot of our prayer is listening. It's not just talking. So we might even pray in this, faith, in this part of the outline like David prayed once where he said, Lord, see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me out of that into a pure and right way of relating to others. And then we sit and we listen and we wait and let God point any, point any area out in our life. And if he doesn't, we walk along going, thank you, God. And if he does, we walk along going, thank you, God, and we deal with it. Right, You see, so much of what keeps us from living in this experience of a vibrant life right now has nothing to do with our circumstances or our relationships. But it has everything to do, and how healthy they are, it has everything to do with the heaviness we carry because of the hurt and the bitterness in our hearts that binds us in fear, that makes us erupt in those internal arguments all the time in our heart, and that burden of pain that drives us to prove ourselves better than the person who hurts us, hurt us, right? So much of the difficulty of life is that, it has nothing to do with the circumstance. God wants us to live free of that. He invites us to talk about it regularly with him as part of our prayer life of keeping a pure, clean, free heart. And much of prayer is also, much of prayer is taking care of the business of, of living that freeness in our heart. And then Jesus goes on further and he says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, some people get a little confusion around this because the Bible clearly teaches over and over again that God never, ever leads us into temptation. Probably a better way of reading this translation from uh, Greek to to English would be if it were translated a little more cumbersomely like, do not allow me to ever be led into temptation. Or uh, an even more colloquial translation of, of a way we might actually pray this would be to wake up and say, God, I know that you're going that there are going to be opportunities today for me to be tempted. Help me make good choices. Help me to steer clear of those temptations. Help me to turn away from them and turn to you quickly today. And maybe that's the way we pray this. And, and Jesus goes on. It's not just temptation of our own internal desires that we're facing here in this piece of the prayer. Jesus recognizes that we fight a spiritual battle. There's this understanding that it's not just our desires going on, that sometimes there is this evil enemy fighting against us and fighting against the five that we're praying for to help find faith. Ephesians 6 puts it even more clearly. It says, "...put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the ruler's against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and we got that eerie music starting the cue, right, from the sci-fi flicks, and, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And we often look at this and go, that sounds so much like a sci-fi flick. It sounds so odd. But Jesus, Paul, every writer in the Bible, acknowledges the reality of of this spiritual battle that affects all of us in some way on a regular basis. You and I, and over each and every person that we're praying for, there is a spiritual battle. There is not just our desires being tempted, but sometimes there is also a demonic, satanic influence coming at us. And I know there's some people who say, well, that's just hocus-pocus fear stuff, the belief in the devil and all that stuff. Well, uh, how can you be intellectually consistent and believe in a good spiritual being, and with all the evil in the world today, not believe that there's also possibility of spiritual evil. That just doesn't even make, that's not even an intellectually consistent logical argument to believe that. So let me at least open the door today for you to understand that maybe this is a possibility, what Jesus is saying. And and it's different than the yin and the yang that we hear about. I mean, we hear about that often. People talk about that even, I even use it improperly in life because yin and yang is clearly not a biblical concept because it talks about good and evil being, you know, two different sides of the same coin and the one same person. That's not a biblical concept. What the Bible talks about is that that urge, that drawing, that compelling feeling we have when we're being tempted and drawn to do something we're tempted to do that we know is not right may not always be just ourselves. But it may also be a, a demonic influence. Revelation, I think, puts it one of the best ways. It refers to Satan's role in this drawing, this temptation, as being the one of the accuser. The one who stirs up our thoughts. The one who maybe even takes legitimate guilt of stuff that we've done wrong, that we need to repent of and change. And he turns it into condemnation, saying, you are so bad. You don't deserve this. You are," And it turns it into condemning. It's the accusing piece of that, trying to make us feel condemned and not believe who God has made us to be. And this part of prayer is a prayer to our Savior to help us overcome the powers of evil. It's part of our prayer mission for ourselves, for our community, for our five that we're praying for, asking for God to intervene and defeat this demonic influence to bring freedom for them to even respond to Him, for us to respond to Him. And we can express this in many different ways. We can express it through words. If we're facing someone who's very self-centered and greedy, we pray in the opposite spirit. We don't have to go around saying, I rebuke that evil greed. We can, but we don't have to. We can instead just say, I pray for a generosity to come over this person. I pray for God's gracious, extravagant generosity. And we can use our words to pray like that. Or, Or when we're praying about the dullness that our culture has of conscience towards sexual sin, We can instead of praying against that, we can pray for the purity and we can pray for the faithfulness and we can pray for the beauty of marriage and the dream of marriage to be realized in people's lives. See, prayer as a spiritual battle is both words and it's also actions. I mean, we can, instead of praying, part of our spiritual battle can actually be acting in the opposite spirit as well. When others are bitter and won't forgive, we can forgive and treat actively that person with kindness and pursue that person with kindness and operate in the opposite spirit that we're trying to defeat. And then Jesus goes on in Scripture and he says, although actually though it's not in Scripture, we close the prayer this way. We say, for yours is the kingdom and the power... And the glory forever, amen. And I think that's a wonderful add to what we have in scripture. Now, every time you pray, you don't have to go through the entire outline, right? We can use this as guideposts, even our little quick two second shots of prayer, all throughout the day. See, sometimes when you're upset and you're anxious and you don't know what to do, it might not be best to spend your time asking for what you think you need. If you're really anxious, And upset, it may be better to spend time remembering that God's your Father and letting that take your anxiety down a notch. Or it may be better to spend time worshiping God for who He is and remembering that He was provider so that when you are worried about this financial decision, your anxiety goes down, and then you can face your decision with that sense of empowerment from Him and that sense of peace and maybe make a better decision. You may not even have to ask Him for that decision. Sometimes it's simply that kind of worship of him. Instead of praying for healing, maybe you worship the one who is the healer. Instead of praying for security and peace, you worship the provider and the one who is your peace. And in that process, you find what you need. Your, your, your emotions calm and you face life with greater wisdom. And instead of feeling saddened and, and needy when you're needing to pray for this, now all of a sudden you feel hopeful and prepared to engage that. So we really need to understand how to allow God's presence to lead us in this whole process. To Him come and inhabit our praises so that we face our challenges, even face our praying for our needs with a sense of His power and presence with us. Having said that, I do want to challenge you to frequently use this Lord's Prayer in its entirety as a guide to your prayers, prayer during the day. In fact, I want to ask you to do it over the whole summer. I want you to ask you to do it at least a couple times a week where you just use this as an outline because I think it will breathe new life into your prayer life. And it it doesn't have to take long. This is not like an hour of prayer, although you can turn it into an hour of prayer if you want, but you can easily get through the Lord's Prayer outline, praying it in 5 to 15 minutes. In fact, to prove that to you, part of our application today for this messages. We're going to put on a little bit of music here in just a second so that you guys can all pray out loud. And I'm going to actually lead you through this outline and invite you to actively pray with me for your own concerns, your own thoughts, using this as an outline all in five minutes. We did it at the first service. We got done in five minutes. We're going to do it again, okay? So uh, we're going to try to make the music loud enough so that you can pray quietly under your breath and not worry that your neighbor's hearing every word you're going to say, especially when we get to confessing your sins. I'm sure that's going to be a little bit quieter for us, right, uh, for many of us. But uh, let's just start right now. Go ahead, Greg, go ahead and get the music going. Let's start by closing our eyes, Okay? And I'm going to just interrupt you and lead you through the next phase, and I'm going to be actually praying out loud how I would be praying this today as well, just as a way to model it. But I want to encourage you to actively engage verbally yourselves as well. So start by closing your eyes and let your mind and heart see and experience God as your Father. Now, if you had a terrible father experience... I understand that. I understand this may be difficult. What I want to invite you to do is I want to invite you to think of seeing God as that father you always dreamed you would have. And then just interact with that image and that thought for just a couple seconds. So let's start now. Our Father, who is in heaven, he's all around us. Lord, thank you for being the one who's always approachable. Not just approachable, Lord, but you're the one who pursues me because you love me as your son. And, Lord, I love you as my father. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the joy you bring to life. Lord, thank you that I don't always have to be perfect, that you still love me and accept me with open arms. I love you, Lord. Thank you for being here today with me. And then as simple as that, we move on to hallowed be your name. So worship God for the good things that he's been to you. Speak out your praise to who he is, the things you remember him doing in your life, and the names of God. So Lord, we worship you. Thank you for your abundant faithfulness in the past. Thank you, Lord, for the way you've led clearly, even in times of uncertainty. Lord, for the way you've blessed the decisions that there's no way I could have made on my own. Lord, thank you that you are all-wise, you are all all-knowing. That you have every day planned, and that you have a good plan for my life. Lord, thank you that you are a healer. Thank you that you're a provider, that you meet all of our needs. Lord, we worship you. I worship you. I bow down before you as the one who is my king and also my dad. I worship you, Lord. And then we can move on to the next part part of the outline Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So think about what are your concerns today? Where do you need God's leadership? Where do you need the king to give you direction? Where do you need the King's power to come in because your power cannot solve this thing? Invite His Holy Spirit to come. It's the power of His kingdom with us, living within us. Invite His kingdom presence to become active and to lead you. And just focus on Him right now. So Lord, thank you so much for the way you are leading and opening doors for us to engage our community more. Lord, thank you for the way you're opening doors to engage our schools and building a relationship where we can't open the doors. Lord, I pray that you would pour your spirit out in that setting, that your power would continue to lead us and make clear every path. Lord, in the development of the counseling ministry, would you establish every step? Would you help us follow you well in every step? Lord, thank you for your good plan. I pray that your Holy Spirit would come to us and break out in healing among us. Give us wisdom, Lord. Give us direction. Lord, how do you want to move right now among us? What are you doing now, today? Come, Holy Spirit. Bless you, Lord. Your kingdom come. May your will be done. Yeah. And then as simple as that, we can move on to the next step. Give us this day our day the bread. So if you feel like you have everything you need, thank him for it. Just thank him for it. But maybe ask him, what do I need today to be prepared to deal with the relationships that I have? What provision do I need today? Finances, food, wisdom for relationships. So go ahead and pray around that. Lord, thank you for giving so generously and abundantly. Thank you that you provide all we need. Thank you that you provide for our kids' college. Thank you that you have a plan and a good way to provide for that. Thank you, Lord, that today, even though the allergies are bothering me, that your energy is sufficient for me to help get through this and to do this for you. Lord, thank you for your presence today. Lord, Did you provide everything we need today. Would you provide the things we don't know we need today? Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, I bless you. I bless you. I worship you. Lord, I pray that you would provide for my kids in their summer jobs. You'd provide them the balance of enough hours to make the money they need for college and enough rest to be healthy. Lord, would you provide. then as simple as that we move on to the next part of the outline forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors what do you need to ask god for forgiveness for today or what do you need to ask others for forgiveness you may not don't go to them right now and ask them just pray to god about what you need to ask others forgiveness for help them sort that out for you or maybe ask him to search your heart to help you identify those pits in your stomach or those arguments that come to your mind that You need to deal with the bitterness and be free of that, and you need Him to come to you in that. So, Lord, I pray that you would search me today. Lord, would you see if there's any wrong way in me, wrong way of thinking in me, and would you direct me in the right path? Would you pour out your forgiveness through me? Would you help me, Lord, to give that grace and forgiveness? When I'm tempted to react, would you help me forgive? Help me to be generous with your kindness today and your forgiveness. Lord, I bless you. Thank you for your great forgiveness. Help me be that great in forgiveness towards other people. Thank you, Lord. And then the last step in the outline. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What have you been struggling more with lately where you've been tempted more? Uh, Ask God to help you emotionally and spiritually with those moments to make good decisions. And then if, if you feel like there's a spiritual element of attack in that or you suspect there might be, just pray for the opposite to be there. Pray for the goodness of God to overflow that area. Go ahead. So Lord, I pray today that as I'm tired, as I'm struggling with allergies and not feeling well, that you would help me today avoid the temptation of disconnecting, that you'd help me avoid the temptation of, of uh, being irritable today, that you'd give me the grace, Lord, to turn away from those things, to be gracious, to be kind, to be patient, to be engaged. Lord, I pray over our community that the drivenness to succeed would be replaced by a rest and a trust in your call and your goodness, and that your goodness is more extravagant than they can dream of. And you would replace unhealthy competition with encouragement and empowerment and blessing of others and a freedom to be who you've called us to be, not what we feel our culture expects us to be. Lord, did you free us from that so we can live wholehearted, vibrant, colorful lives. And then let's finish how the church finishes this prayer throughout history together. Would you finish with me? For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Lord, we acknowledge There is no power like you on this earth. That you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. That you are not only that, but you are our intimate dad and our intimate father. That you love us so well. Lord, I ask that this summer that you would lead us all to know you more intimately. To communicate more thoroughly with you to understand how to pray and engage with what you're doing all throughout the day so that we and our friends experience you and our colleagues experience you and the blessing you want to bring that we would be amazed amazed at how active and interactive you want to be with us this summer and amazed at the answers to prayer Lord help us To make prayer be the first, the leading edge of all that we do. So that, Lord, we can walk light and free from the stress and the burdens that we carry because we're yoked to you and your power. That our hearts can be more joyful no matter what the circumstances. That we can be more peaceful no matter what the circumstances. That our hearts can be clean and pure of the anger and the bitterness no matter the hurt going on around us because we turn to you and allow you to come. Thank you for listening to this week's Sermon Audio. If you are loving Quest's podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information about Quest, who we are and what we do, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at GoToQuest.org. That's goto Quest dot org.